0: Hey School Success Makers! Today we're joined by my new friend Blake Willard out of the desert Las Vegas, Nevada. He just finished his first year as the principal of a brand new Christian school there, Capstone. We dive into all the things like the challenges they've been up against, the awesome things that are going good for them, but think about a brand new school, there's a lot of things that are just a whole bunch of firsts for them. So we dive into a little bit of that, but I know you guys are in for a treat on this one today, so stay tuned for the next episode of the School Success Podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the School Success Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Slater. I'm joined by a new friend out of the desert in Las Vegas, Nevada, Blake Willard, who is the principal of Capstone Christian Academy. They're doing some awesome things there. He's been there just past his one-year anniversary in March of 2022, and I'm looking forward to diving into what's going on in the desert when it comes to Christian education and running a private school there but I don't want to take any thunder, as I always say, away from my guests. So I'm going to pass it off to him to introduce himself. So Blake, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Mitchell. It really is good to be here. It's been great uh, just having a chance to get to know you. And we're not burning up yet. The summer's coming, but we've only hit the 90s so far in uh, the start of April. We're, we're, we're enjoying this uh, spring breeze that we have at the moment. Flowers are blooming. A lot of new things I'm learning being in Nevada, uh, just that there's allergies. i would never had them before but lots of of new changes um, being in this new place but actually Christian education uh, has a foothold here. There's a couple of really great schools across the Vegas Valley um, that have been around for a number of years. Uh, We're on the south side of Vegas and are trying to create a community where there's a bit of a dead spot. Um, There is, you know, a ton of need. There's a ton of families moving in. I was, you know, saying before that I feel like half the state of California is joining us right here in the city and so the, the city of Las Vegas is having a hard time keeping up with the demand as the, the city grows. So its population is booming, and that means everything is booming, whether it be desire for new schools or Christian education or uh, jobs and services and businesses. Everything's blowing up. So that, that means that I came into a place where there's a ton of opportunity. Um, so anyone with, with vision and, and grit and determination, I think, has a chance here. And, and I'm really enjoying it. My wife and I have just recently bought a house, and we're settling in. And, we again, we kind of reflect. I was telling a story recently about how we were on a road trip four years ago, driving in finale through the city of Las Vegas to get down to L.A. to visit family. And we are marveling at, you know, what is the strip, what most people think of when they pass. And that is, we are never going to live here, <laughs> that is what I echoed. And four four years later, we felt like the good Lord was calling us to Las Vegas, and we're super happy that we're here. So, yeah.
0: Very good. Well, I'm glad you guys are there. I know you're doing some awesome stuff there. Just for people who are listening in, of course, I think most people are familiar with the city of Las Vegas and probably the Strip. And you said south of Vegas. How far from the Strip is your school? Just to kind of give people a picture of where abouts you guys are. Good
1: sure thing. Uh, it's hard to be in the Valley and not see the Strip. So, It covers a pretty good expanse. Um, We're about 10 minutes south of the Strip, so it's not too far to get there. Uh, Again, for Californians moving out, when people say there's traffic in Las Vegas, it's different. So, you know, it might take you 20 minutes if there's traffic, but we're about 10 minutes south of the Strip if there's none.
0: Okay. Well, I know I was mentioning to you Before we started, I was like, I've been to Vegas once, and it's just crazy. It's just desert, 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 boom. And it's like Vegas. And it's like, what the heck? It's just crazy. Water fountains
1: and palm trees.
0: In the middle of nowhere, and it's just like no man. Like I feel like everything. I mean, I guess that is true. Everything has to be brought in, like everything, because it's like well, I know this didn't grow here, or I know this. I don't even know if the water. Like, do you guys have to truck in and or pipe in all your water? Or is there water metropolis well, underneath? Well,
1: interestingly enough, Lake Mead um, covers about twenty-five million people. So most of Southern California, the water they're drinking is actually from Nevada. It's what? right here. Yeah, um, so because there's a water scarcity across uh, the western half of the U.S., Colorado dumps into Lake Mead, um, which though it's lower than it's been since it was made, uh, still has enough water to keep us thirsty people hydrated for the time being.
0: Dang, all right, well there you go. Well I would love, before we dive into your school, Capstone, I would love to get just a little bit more background on on yourself, I know you and I were chatting about that a little bit before we started recording, but kind of where, where you got your start, and I know you did your road trip and came across you know Vegas, but give a little bit of background on yourself before you got into the role of principal.
1: Yeah, so uh, I have come through the road less traveled by pretty much my, my whole career. I started out as a nursing major, um, felt like, uh, again, God was calling me into something different. And so my senior year of college, I switched to biblical studies and uh, was bound and determined to still graduate on time. So I managed to do that, um, but it was a stressor to to pack a lot into a little bit of time. Didn't feel necessarily equipped to go out with a biblical studies degree after after a year, feeling like I could go be a pastor. So I was looking to serve in any context that I could. Um, you know, at that time, it was it was either stay or go. I didn't know where I was going to be, but I ended up in uh, North Carolina, accepted a position as a camp counselor at a year-round. Uh, wilderness camp for troubled boys so we had 902 acres of woods we lived right there in the woods no electricity designed and built the shelters that we lived in and that was the learning environment um, to help bring kids out of their troubles reset them teach them natural consequences like when you don't build your tent well you get rained on you know so things like that uh, as well as you know we don't let the sun go down on our anger so if we had problems in our group then we solved them together whether if that was 12 midnight or four in the morning, we were getting it done, um, and we were getting our bed in between. Um, so did that for about six years, uh, went from being a counselor to a supervisor, serving just to teach other people to do the same thing, and then kind of being that first line of defense if people needed help. And then from there, uh, finished my master's degree in education somehow in the midst of that, and then moved directly into a doctoral degree program at Southern Baptist in Louisville. I uh, was able to do that. Uh, in like a modular sense, so I was there part-time, off part-time, so I moved into church ministry at my church, uh, also there in North Carolina, which organically grew into taking over a classical school that the church was, uh, it was fledgling, it was trying to get running, um, so I had an opportunity to try, just try to fold um, that into my repertoire of experiences and actually I'm super grateful for it because I thought of myself as an educator, kind of, but it was a very non-traditional approach, so um, getting introduced to the, the role of classical education the foundation that it has for um, a lot of Western history uh, and also the value it has in forming kids, help, helping them be confident readers and writers and speakers and some of those skills that sometimes are missing in a lot of other schooling contexts. So I did that for several years. Um, and then uh, after my wife graduated law school, we were, we were kind of ready to get back on the West Coast and um, be close to family. So we moved back to LA area not knowing what was next. Um, and through a turn of events, God called us to Capstone. Ultimately, um, I, was, I was, had a couple different opportunities to work in charters and the public school system in California. Uh, and the reality is, is my conscience is pretty strong. And I have strong opinions about certain things that align with my biblical worldview. But those don't fit every school. And so I was not looking to get myself fired at a new job. So I accepted uh, this, this new uh, school role as, as principal at Capstone. And this, you know, I've been here for a year and we started from the ground up, you know, we were able to buy a building just before I got here, turned what was a early child care center um, into a fledgling uh, preschool through second grade. We're adding a grade each year and we already own a 25 acre facility property um, that we hope to develop into a 1200 student campus. So there's lots of growth and development to come um, and that's been happening all along the way and I've expands well beyond the normal parameters of principle, but I'm really happy to be here and really love the community we're building. Wow.
0: Oh man, the future is looking bright and it's looking busy and big for you guys there in the future. That's, man, um, that's crazy. So I mean, I love that the, I love the model of adding a year or adding a new grade every year. you just those kids can graduate up. So I guess your top grade is third grade right now?
1: Top grade, so beginning August of 22, we will open third grade, okay. um, and we plan to grow no faster than our oldest group, so God willing, if our facilities make themselves available sooner, we might be able to expand a little faster, but my promise to parents is that we won't out, we will not let your kids outgrow our school, okay. um, and that, that's pretty important for me, just we're making, it's, it's a lot of work to get families into a school and to be bought in, and just the enrollment process of finding people and and endearing yourself to those people. So I don't want to lose that. So even if it means we grow slow, then I'd rather we grow slow and grow well.
0: Yeah. And being a Christian school, do you guys like, I've always kind of thought, I mean, everybody has their different journey of getting there, but you guys buying a building and all that, how does that work for, there's gonna be a couple of questions in this question, but how does that work? I mean, like, I don't think does the state of Nevada go, "Here's ten million dollars. We love helping you know Christian schools," or do you guys have a church that's sponsoring the main like sponsor of the school and it's like a part of the church? Or, so, kind of, how does that work to like launch into all this? And the money is it or is it strictly from tuition based?
1: So bo- both of those first two options sound great. I can tell you there is no no ten million dollar check coming from the state of Nevada. I don't foresee that coming anytime soon as well, so we have used other means. And we are actually not um, associated with any one church either. Um, And the reason for that is because there's a wide diversity of Christian backgrounds. Um, And I was a part of parochial school, you know, associated with a particular church, a particular denomination, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it tends to fit a certain kind of school, kid, family. um, And it wedges people into a box that sometimes everybody doesn't fit. You know, I, I had the perception coming into Las Vegas that we got to save some people. Um, so, the, you know, that's still true, but that's, believe it or not, that's true in South Florida or anywhere else that we go um, as well. Uh, so what we're trying to do is we are trying to have our arms as wide as possible so that no matter if you're coming from, you know, some of our Ethiopian families, coming from Ethiopian Orthodox or Lebanese um, or totally non-denominational or Baptist or Presbyterian, that we can fold all those people in. And what we do is we try to align ourselves on those core tenets of Christian faith that I say everybody can say yes and amen to. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then we send you back to your church and let you dig into the theological minutia that every every church has, and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but that's just not where we're trying to put our focus. So because of that, no, we were, we're kind of out, um, not on our own. Um, our, our founder, Bill Wadley, as, he is uh, a construction guy, a, a businessman who owns a number of companies here um, in Vegas, and it's, it's a sand and gravel company. It's construction. It has very little to do with education. Um, but education was something that totally changed his life coming out of extreme poverty and ending up in West Point at a premier education facility and seeing just the way that it really helped turn him on a path different from the rest of his family. Um, and so he always wanted to be able to do that in a specifically Christian context um, here in Vegas where he spent most of his life. And so, um, you know, the, we have a board that's been meeting for almost 20 years and that we didn't have a school. So that's some serious devotion right there. Um, Yeah. And that was a, that was a big part of the sell for me. You know, I, I was at a school where we figured it out as we went and we kind of planned after the fact. Um, so just to know that there was a little bit of legitimate skin in the game, um, gave me a good amount of confidence that we weren't walking into a ticking time bomb. And so it's been good.
0: So then I'm assuming then for Bill, um, the who started he put up all the money initially to get like that initial building that you guys are in and he bought the the acreage like that's coming from his pockets to start everything
1: so he's definitely been a significant contributor but i think just uh he's also done a good job of getting other people on board um, again you know this is a process that's been, been spread over two decades so using those friends and connections and um even the the property the 25 acre property we have was his first business he was under someone else Um, who was a construction guy, huge home developer here in Vegas, and he pitched that they had this rock quarry where they were, you know, essentially digging out stuff. They were, they were having to pay people to haul this dirt away. He said, I think we can get people to pay us for it. Um, so this turned into his first business. It was a rock quarry and it was like a 210 foot hole in the ground over 25 acres. So if you don't know, that's like millions of cubic feet, um, a ton of dirt. And that all had to be filled in before this property was even usable. So when the Las Vegas Raiders stadium was being built, he was sending his trucks over there saying, let me get that dirt out of the way for you. We'll, we'll haul it off for free. So a lot of, uh, we're standing on Raiders. Is what I tell families as we get ready to build our, <laughs> our new new facility um, that, yeah, we have that footprint. It's just, it's been a cool part of the heritage, but yeah, there's a bunch of people that have been gathering together, not knowing what a school is or how to run one, dreaming that God was going to create an opportunity where uh, ultimately it was going to come to fruition. And so a lot has changed over the course of a year because going from what we think a school will be to what it actually is. There's some differences, but ultimately the fact that some people were devoted to prayer and um, community just bringing other people in that has led to the fact that we are where we are. So we own those 25 acres, which believe it or not, property in Las Vegas is quite expensive and it's only growing as more of California comes to join us. Um, So having that is a huge Uh, a huge backer and now we're just working on building that uh, continuing to build that community development we have a genuine witness now we have real families and real friends that are part of our school that actually are happy with what they're getting Um, so that's helping expand the vision for capstone that gets other people bought in and makes them want to put a little bit of skin in the game uh, to hopefully contribute to what's coming
0: very cool and being principal what kind of does that role entail for you as this thing's getting off the ground is it a lot of um, direction for the school? Like saying, hey, I only want to add one, um, one grade every year. Is that coming from the board? I, so what does your, your role kind of encompass right now?
1: Yeah, so I've been become very much an intermediary between the school board and then kind of everything else. So um, you know, if you are meeting for 15 years about an organization that doesn't exist yet, the, the chances that you're going to be used to things kind of going a little bit slow you know, it's not it's not a criticism. It's just a reality. Um, but now we, have you know, I said we've got people that we've committed to. We have to make sure we have set ourselves up to grow well and quick enough um, that those facilities that they're counting on are going to come. Um, so sometimes I'm being a strong pusher towards the board to try to get us moving in a certain direction. But ultimately, you know, I I I am going to be submissive. I'm going to submit to the collective wisdom of that group. Um, and figuring out what is the right thing for us. But with regards to my role, it's shifted a lot over the course of this year. We didn't have any students when I started, so we didn't have any curriculum. We didn't, we, you know, we didn't have any staff, so we didn't have anything. Um, and so, and I came in in March, we opened the school in May for the preschool, and then in August for the first school year. So I started out really as a salesman. I was figuring out what is our vision and our mission and our motto. You know, by the way, our, our mission is developing world-changing leaders. Um, the the belief that every student has the potential to be a leader, um, but they have to have the right things put in. You know, I joke kind of with with families that come in and tour at our school. You know, there's a lot of different kinds of world changing leaders, and Hitler would be one, and that's one that we're not trying to make. You know, so so when we say world changing leader, what we mean is a um, like a servant leader, someone that models Christ, uh, who I would say is the greatest leader. No single person has had greater influence. Uh, in the history of the universe um, and so we want students who are sacrificial who are not self-serving but are community oriented um, who are learning certain values like accountability and respect and integrity and those things flow right into our desire to build up students not only as christians but as leaders so um, we're working on those things kind of hand in hand uh, figuring that out as we go start started with sales trying to trying to get parents to buy into something that didn't exist is a, is a tough sell you know they're, they're going to send their most precious asset their children. To a school that has never been in operation so my job is much easier now. Um, it's shifted somewhat I'm still you know I'm still selling us I give tours every day to new families. Looking at our school but um, now I'm, I'm you know. Hiring the right staff was huge. We had a pretty significant screening process of who is going to be the right person. For this job because we have these very you know. Not, they're not extreme values, but values that we're not willing to bend on. Um, and I had a lot of people that I interviewed that were, you know, of, of okay caliber, uh, but they didn't meet the standard of what we wanted for our school. Um, you know, going from there now, my teachers are phenomenal. I'm so happy. The last two that I hired, hired a week before we started staff development. So it was you know, nose to the grinder. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, they're amazing that because... Uh, We have a few different things in place that we use that I think really helps us. um, And I can get into that later, but we've been able to develop a team over the course of this school year. Um, And so they know that they can be counted on and they know that they can count on me and the staff to support them. You know, we've tried to trickle that down to our families um, through communication. Parent partnerships is one of our values that we try to put on the forefront all the time. So we wanted them to know they have skin in the game and so do we and we're both committed to this cause of their children. So just pushing the right things and now backing up, it's focusing, it's, it's curriculum and f- after a year figuring out what was good, what was bad and what was ugly and, and trying to, to get rid of the bad and the ugly and make sure that we're, everything we're doing is always improving. Um, but it is a on the fly uh, job because my, my job description is is very fluid, meaning that I don't always know what I'm going to do even though I have a nice checklist that I plan every morning. Um, sometimes I get two things checked off and I had a very full day. So uh, things get thrown on me just because it's new and, and there's going to be less fields and positions. You know, we don't have a, a, a separate accounting department. So a lot of things just pulling people together. It feels like a startup because honestly, that's what it is. So a lot of, a lot of energy and drive and flexibility are kind of the names of the game.
0: Well, I can, I can see it now. I can see what's Mr. Willard doing today? Well, he was teaching the second graders and then the first graders, and then he was doing lunch duty. And then he was also answering calls and emails like he's doing everything right now. I could see it happening.
1: PE for the first six months was, was great. Um, once it started to cool down, it was really great. But I was actually going home and showering frequently for a while because it was hot. Um, so yeah, the, the kids, you know, they're asking, when are you doing PE again? But I, I tell them I want to guys, I want to, but unfortunately, um, I, I can't do it right now.
0: Do you guys require, um, any type of like statement of faith from students and families that come to the school or can anybody go to the school?
1: So that's a great question. We're two things. We are discipleship oriented, meaning for people who have professed faith in Jesus Christ, we want to shepherd their hearts, but we're also evangelical. Um, so meaning there's plenty of people he- here who aren't Christians, um, and we're okay with that. We want to love those people too. We think God has actually called us to love them, uh, but we want to create an environment where they will be immersed in our Christian values. And so, uh, we, I have a, what I call a parent expectations form, where I laid out form. This is who we are. Um, this is what's expected of you. This is the partnership that you're getting into, meaning that, you know, if something's going on with your child, we're going to talk to you about it. And we're going to expect that there's follow through and follow up. And that helps keep the culture of our school healthy on the inside because of what parents are doing on the outside. Um, but yeah, we just, we just lay it out there. Our student um, and family handbook that we send to families before they enroll. They're expected to read it and to go through it and to agree to it. And I say, you don't have to believe um, everything that's in here as far as our values. You just have to be willing to support them. As long as parents aren't coercing their kids to, to be against the values of our school, um, then we're okay with that.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I know you've already mentioned some of these, but there's obviously challenges. You guys are up against a brand new school. You've been there a year. You were doing PE a little bit when they first starting. So there's challenges. But are there any others you'd like to mention that you guys are currently kind of up against that you're facing as challenges as a school?
1: Yeah, there's um, there's a ton. You know, honestly, so just touching on it again, everything is new. Anything that we do, like I don't have the most comprehensive policy list in our handbook. Because some of these things we're kind of figuring out as we go, and I don't want to make a policy every time somebody makes a bad decision at the school. You know, I'm not I'm not just about building more and more legislature into uh, into the school. However, some things reveal themselves, and we realize we need to have a statement about that. Uh, we need to take a stand about that. With the every state having constant changes with COVID, we needed to have a stand about where we were and make sure we put it in writing so parents knew. Again right from the forefront what they were getting so just constant changes uh... communication with staff what when when things are going awry or when things are good in the classroom uh... that they just communicate with me so we can think on the fly again at that non profit slash startup feel just really transcends a lot of what we're doing we're creating systems right now we're creating the policy so that as we flow into this coming year We can take a step back from that new content creation and focus more and more deeply on uh, the content of what's going on in the classroom. And then for me, on casting the vision, the big picture for what our school is trying to be in this community. Um, There's plenty of people that are not bought in um, to the, whether it be the public school and Clark County School District or just other forms of education. And they think this sounds right, uh, but we got to figure out ways to get to those people and make it available to them. So that's so that's a big one, I guess. As far as uh, uh, other challenges go, we have a roughly eighty million dollar campus to build, and a whole lot more funding before that can happen. And I have a timeline. I have second graders right now, and by the time I have fifth graders, I need new seats to put those booties in. So we're looking to get um, that campus developed quickly. And you know, realizing too with regards to flexibility and adaptability, you know, I talked about pushing the the board in some ways. It's like we have to make choices and it may not be our first choice, but it could still be the right choice. So if that's starting with a modular campus, that gets our students a place where they can continue to learn and be loved, and a part of the community that we're building, and we can do that while we're developing our first uh, facilities, fantastic. Um, So that's what we're looking towards right now. Um, But yeah, so that that fundraising, that shaking, we hopefully and thankfully we have a committee of people um, that are working on development that are Um, helping to just bring the wider community and you know those specifically with financial resources into the fold um, to get them bought into what we're doing. Uh, And then some things that we've been learning like grants, you know that there's other money out there. Um, Sometimes it's restricted and sometimes it's not very restricted that we can use to to bless our staff and community. So we've been able to get some different grants that we've applied towards our families this year um, as well as into the coming year which is knocking down their tuition. It's allowing us to create greater programs for our school. Um, And those are things that would have had to wait um, if we were trying to do it off of our profit margin, which I can tell you as a new facility, it took quite a few students before we broke even. And we're just happy to have done that. Um, There's still a lot more to go.
0: Okay, man. Well, it sounds like you guys, you have these challenges, but you guys are doing very well facing those challenges. Uh, I know that's a huge challenge we're talking about, This new facility in three, four ish years. Like, that's a a big one. So, that's, uh, I think you're up for the challenge there, Blake. I appreciate uh, it.
1: Yeah, we're doing our best. Prayer and supplication always.
0: Amen. (laughs) Well, the best part of it, I know you've only been there a year and you guys aren't, you know, don't have a, a ton of students yet, but like, this is my favorite part is this is where you get to brag about your school. Like, man, we just, we're doing awesome at this or we love this part of it. So give this is your open time, brag about your school. What's going good with you guys?
1: I, I, I can do that easily. Um, we have an awesome community. We're so lucky that, you know, we started with 12 students in May. Um, we have 85 students now that we crossed that threshold of being in the red to the black as an institution, which was huge. Um, but one of the things that I think really helps us, um, and it is uh, very much a team effort, is that ability to address problems as they occur and problems aren't always bad things as we know um, but to collaboratively draw on the, the community of our staff to how we're going to fix it so we use a, a software called Traction um, that is a, a business software uh, that came over from, from, from our founder they were using it at their companies and it's just been a phenomenal tool to help teachers have a voice and have space where when there's an issue there's a place to bring issues um, and so no matter what, during those staff meetings, they only have to be as silent as they choose to be. So if they're concerned about something, we're creating a form to bring that out. You know, and, and we set, we call them rocks, um, these big, big three-month goals where we're chipping away at the iceberg and we're setting milestones along the way, how we're going to get to that thing. And then we, we keep each other accountable. If somebody's not getting something done, if there's a problem, we create it to do. And with that to-do, we set a timeline when it's going to get done, how it's going to get done, who's going to help get it done. So that software has been super helpful. It's translated to all of our team meetings, whether it be at the executive level, the elementary school and the preschool, um, with just keeping us focused on the fact that we are an ongoing and growing institution. Um, So that's a big one. I love, like I said, I love our community. Our families have been phenomenal. Um, we've done a number of events this year. We did a we did a Thanksgiving event, a fall festival, a Christmas event. Everything we've done, we've had 100 percent family participation, which wow. I Realize we're still small, um, but, but still. that is a testimony to the fact that they're bought in. Um, they're excited to be here. I think the fact that the, the pandemic was on, the, on our heels uh, made people have a little greater desire to be a part of their students Um, their children's community and want to know what's going on and supporting each other and we've existed as our own little bubble in the midst of a lot of shutdowns, and a lot of masking and different things that people have been challenged with um, right here in our community. We were just forthright from the beginning. You know, I talked about setting policies. I said, and thank God we were able to do this as a non publicly funded institution, but to say, look, this is something we're going to leave at the discretion of families. We're not saying there's a right decision accept that parents decisions with regards, um, you know, we're going to put an emphasis on on health and safety, but we're going to let families choose what's right for them. So, you know, specific to the masking issue, we left that in the control of our families and some did and some didn't. And we just chose to honor their their decision throughout the day. Um, So that has worked for us through the mitigation policies we've created. We haven't had any outbreaks, you know, none of that. And it looks like for now that that season is behind us and we hope it stays that way. Um, But People have been just bought in. They've been open to communication. I think I've had to be available, um, as well as our staff. But it's worth it. And then, um, you know, I guess as far as things that that we're doing well, my philosophy personally is that I don't like asking someone to do something I'm not willing to do myself. Um, so that means necessarily that I'm going to be down in there with them. You know, I like physical education, but I didn't always want to run it. Um, but I was more than willing to do it because. Like I said, I don't want to ask someone to do something I'm not willing to do myself. So put my money where my mouth is. And I see that same attitude with our teachers. You know, If they're going to ask parents to, to do something extra, then they're right there with them you know, along the way. And and that stuff has just been helpful for creating this culture. And ultimately, if I was to sum all that up, it's the culture that we're building in the school that I'm the most proud of. And it's what I want to make sure we maintain even as we get bigger.
0: Mm, that's so good. And it's so important. And I, I picture. I had a funny vision in my head when I'm thinking, oh, when Blake's doing PE, they, they come out there and they're like, what are you guys doing outside? And he's like, we're chopping down trees. We're building structures. This is what PE is about. And you're like, no, 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 no. Like we're playing games. These are first graders. Yeah,
1: yeah more, more tag, fox over the river, uh, soccer. So
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, man, I always end with the same question I ask everybody is, if you could leave anybody listening with, you know, a, a piece of advice or a strategy that, you know, you've learned that you're like, man, I'd love to be able to share this with any other school leaders that are listening. What would that piece of advice be?
1: Yeah. You know, the, the thing I keep coming back to is that there is not one right way to do Christian education. I don't think there's one right way to do education in general. You know, you were homeschooled. I was in public schooling. You know, I was in a community where there was, I, I ran a hybrid model school where people were doing a little bit of both. Um, there's, there's not one right way, and I think p- there's a lot of disillusionment with regards to education across our country right now. A lot of people are frustrated with what's happening, but you know the, the other question is, what are you willing to do about it? Um, and I, so one thing I encourage people to do is to, to bring ideas forward. Uh, Crapstone inherently is not going to be the right school for everybody. It can't be. You know We have tuition, and the reality is, is there's a lot of families we can't serve because of that. Um, And that that hurts me. So my side is what am I going to do to figure out how we can get more funding to fund scholarships and grants to help more families get in our school? But the other thing is, what are those families willing to do? You know, It might be homeschooling, it might be a micro school, it might be a community gathering. Um, It might just be finding a a different charter that that fits their families needs better. Um, But I think people just need to be open to different options. And so that's been as a school leader, this whole year is just being open to different options. You know, we've got to we got to use wisdom to discern if those are right for us. Uh, But if I turned down everything that caused me a little bit of extra work, we would have missed out on some serious opportunities this year. Um, So just, I feel like that spirit of openness um, is going to be something that I hope maintains our school. You know, if we think about creative, uh, you know, people who are creating an environment for new technologies are coming into place, new systems are coming into place, new laws are coming into place. They have to be thinkers who are are willing to push outside of the box. So why can't we do that as a whole institution as we try to create, you know, leaders who can do the same thing one day? So I guess that would be my advice for now. (laughs) I don't know that I have the age or the wisdom to be able to give it, but that's my best.
0: I love it. I will take it. And uh, I just want to do a huge shout out to you, Blake. Thank you for, for taking time to be on the podcast and for pointing to these kids. I can tell from just watching you and hearing you 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 love what you're doing you love kids you love the the vision i mean you've obviously you're sold on your own vision which i'm glad of course But you're sold on the vision of what you guys are out there to do is that christian school and so uh, i'm a big fan of you guys and i wish you guys absolutely nothing but the best and if i ever make my way back over to las vegas i would love to go hang out do dinner or something and just see what's going on with the school
1: come on down we got a guest bedroom with your name on it all right deal well
0: thank you so much blake i uh, wish you guys nothing but the best man
1: Appreciate it. Thank you, Mitchell.
0: Well, another huge shout out, and a thank you to Blake Willard for taking time and being on the podcast today. I had a blast chatting with him. Guys, if you ever meet him, you can tell he is passionate about his school, he is passionate about his students, and he is passionate about the vision of the school and what they have going for him. And I am too. I wish them nothing but the best, and I know they're going to continue to do amazing things. Well, you guys know this. If you've been listening to a lot of these episodes, I say this every week. I'm hoping you guys can take at least one thing from today's episode, take it back to your school or maybe even yourself to make your school or yourself better than you are right now. And that's really my vision for this. I want you guys to be able to learn from other school leaders across uh, this country or internationally that are doing awesome things and be able to just make yourself or your school better. So I'm hoping you guys are able to continue to do that. But maybe you're a school listening and you're, you're currently struggling with enrollment and how to get new students, or maybe having a wait list. You're like, I would love to have a wait list one day for students. Or, man, there's all this technology out there. How can I take advantage of all this technology to connect better with the families and the people that are in my community? We help schools do that every single day, and we'd love to help you too. You can find us online at schoolsuccessmakers.com. That's schoolsuccessmakers.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be here next week with another awesome guest on the School Success Podcast. We'll see you then.